Welcome to this edition of the IWI's CFITrainer.net podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us to talk about the National Fire Academy and Arson Awareness Week. We're pleased to welcome Tanya Hoover, the superintendent of the National Fire Academy. Superintendent Hoover has been on the job with NFA for just about a year, and she came to the position with more than 20 years of experience in local and state government, most recently as the California State Fire Marshal. She has developed and implemented fire protection, fire prevention, fire training, and community risk reduction programs in many capacities, including with the fire marshal's office as a fire marshal and battalion chief at a local fire department, and as a deputy campus fire marshal at the University of California at Berkeley. She's a member of the board of directors for the National Fire Protection Association and the International Fire Service Training Association, and a past committee member with the International Code Council. She's here today to talk all things NFA, including Arson Awareness Week, which is coming up in May. Superintendent Hoover, welcome to the CFITrainer.net podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Well, we're very grateful for your time. So some of the audience may not be familiar with your role of the NFA superintendent. Can you tell us a bit about your job? Sure. Well, the superintendent of the National Fire Academy was established under the Fire Protection and Control Act of 1974. And within that act, it established uh, the National Fire Academy, as well as the role of the superintendent. And uh, the superintendent heads the NFA and has all of those exercising powers and authorities uh, to do things such as as develop and revise curricula, um, provide standards for admission and performance, but basically it has the responsibility for enhancing the professional development of fire service personnel and other persons that are engaged in fire prevention and control activities. I love to hear that. We did a survey back oh, some time ago on one of the networks about what a firefighters, how do firefighters want to be def- uh, defined? Maybe that's not the word. How do they want to be thought of? And they said professional. Uh, was the number one answer, which I thought was interesting. There you go. So so tell me about your priorities for your tenure. Well, priorities for the National Fire Academy should always be centered on our students and those that uh, come to partake in the activities here at the National Emergency Training Center. So most of my focus uh, is on making sure that our curriculum and our delivery system is the best for folks that come to our campus. We want to make sure that we are current and relevant. And as I say to folks when I visit the classrooms, if uh, we're, we need to be current in order to be relevant, if we're not relevant, then somebody's going to ask the question, why are you there? And I never want to be on the other side of that conversation. Uh, again, it, this is about our students. It's not about our students just today, tomorrow, next week. It's for our future students as well. So we want to make sure that what we are teaching here, what we're providing in professional development here, addresses the issue for our emergency responders for the future as well as today. Makes a lot of sense. From the people I know that work over near you, uh, there's a great gang of folks and uh, a nice place to go. When it you sure is. So You've been working in this fire service training and education world for a long time, uh, specifically in fire prevention for many years. Where do you think we've made progress? Well, I I believe we've made progress in a a number of areas. Um, I'll start with our response capabilities. 
if you look at where we've gone, uh, where we are from where we, we've been, and our ability to cross over boundaries um, to serve the public, uh, we've expanded our response capabilities. We're operating on more of a um, uh, level platform. Uh, in other words, you know, folks have adopted using ICS, using the, the NIMS system. We've made important progress in providing for a well-trained and ready workforce. Our raising the level of um, health and safety um, is important to our workforce. We've also raised the, the level of awareness in simple fire prevention methods, such as smoke alarms, our early education, you know, all, the, all of the efforts and work that has gone into things like Learn Not to Burn um, for our high-risk groups, such as our small children, and then the work that we've done with our older folks in, in remembering when, uh, things of that nature. With that said, though, we have made progress. That doesn't mean that we should just uh, sit on our laurels. When we see decreases in activity, people may have a tendency to step back and say, we don't need that anymore. And that's not the case. The reason why we see decreases in activity is because we're strong in areas and we're putting it on the forefront and in people's minds. The minute we back away, it is no longer on people's minds, and we have a tendency to fall back into old habits. So I think we still have work to be done in um, our prevention standpoint, such as in our codes and regulations. We need to be able to strengthen uh, our code standards as it not just relates to our public, but the importance of those in, in our workforce and our fire service workforce. Uh, friend of mine used to say the, the place where our firefighters work is not in the station. It's out there in the public. It's out in the buildings. And so having um, an understanding of codes and standards that protect not only our communities but our workforce is important. We need to be able to communicate that. We also need to be able to communicate that current codes and standards provide strength in our communities, resilience in our communities. And, and that's all aspects of hazards, whether it be flood, uh, earthquake or fire, that current codes and standards provide protection. And, and I mentioned health and safety, that we've raised that level of, of awareness, but we still have a lot to do in health and safety awareness with our firefighting workforce. We need to make sure that folks change some of those bad habits, uh, protect themselves against disease, and um, function in a, in a safe manner so that everybody has the opportunity to go home at night. So when you think about our audience, which is mostly folks in the fire investigation world, any message for them? I know you have classes over there. Um, I know people that you know are trainers or instructors, um, and there seems to be a lot of work going on. Well, in the fire investigation world, uh, again, training, education is very critical. Um, the world has changed. Um, yes, I realize the fire is still hot and it still releases smoke. But the tactics that people use to start fire, the environment in which fires are started in, are different. Products are different that ignite. Uh, so back on that theme of health and safety, you know, every fire investigator needs to take their health and safety into account as well. As far as that education and training piece, there may come a time when an investigator is challenged on decisions that they make, and so that training and education is very important. So whether it be um, 
an intentional fire, and they are finding themselves in a position where they are in a courtroom or before uh, a group of attorneys or having to defend a position they took, they need to understand um, the standards. They need to understand uh, all of those aspects of putting a good uh, fire investigation case together. So the work that we do here at the National Fire Academy as it relates to fire investigation is not just on the crime of arson, but on increasing a person's capability to do a thorough job in fire investigation. So let's talk a little bit about Arson Awareness Week. Uh, The topic of this year is abandoned buildings. And why did the USFA choose this topic? Well, some folks may not remember this, but the last time arson and vacant and abandoned buildings uh, was a theme for Arson Awareness Week was 17 years ago in 2001. Uh, We worked with the International Association of Arson Investigators on an abandoned building mitigation project. And, um, you know, if you look at what has gone on uh, the past few years as it relates to uh, economy and and the downturn in the economy, again, buildings uh, were in positions of being abandoned, people using those buildings for something other than their original intent. And so working with partners such as um, uh, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, NFPA, and the International Association of Arson Investigators, the USFA joined with them at bringing back the reduction arson at, at vacant and abandoned buildings as its theme. So what are the goals of this abandoned buildings effort? Well, the goal of it is to raise uh, a level of awareness. Um, there are, I'm looking at data right now, when we look at from 2013 to 2015, there was an estimate of almost 23,000 vacant residential building fires within the United States, uh, which caused an estimated of 75 deaths, 200 injuries, and $785 million in property loss. 34% intentional actions were the leading cause of vacant residential building fires. So. These are a hazard to our community. They're a hazard to our workforce. They're a hazard to a community's economy. And so we want folks to be aware of that and and take appropriate actions. What do you think the greatest challenge is uh, when it comes to a city, uh, you know, who has inspectors, has fire investigators? Some of them are the same people, I guess, in some case. What What's the greatest challenge for them when they're going out there trying to deal with uh, the abandoned buildings in their town? Well, part of the challenge of dealing, dealing with an abandoned building is you can only secure a building so much. You can board it up, you can chain it up, you can uh, tape it up. But it, what we find is people find a way to get inside of that building and, and use the building. And they use the building um, in all sorts of ways. We can't be there 24-7 to monitor those buildings. It's very difficult for a community to monitor their uh, vacant buildings uh, consistently. So you know, challenges, how do, you, how do you secure the building so that folks don't find their way in? And once they're in, how do you ensure um, that something doesn't go inside that building that could jeopardize life and property? You know, it... I'll ask the question, and uh, you may not be able to answer it, but one of the things that drives me crazy when I drive around the country is I go in and I see these places, and I, I know how much effort 
um, the fire service and others. It's a business trying to secure these buildings. Why is it so difficult to get owners to take responsibility? I wish I knew the answer to that question. Um, you know, I would venture to guess that it depends upon the owner. It depends upon the owner's mindset. It depends on the economic situation of the community. And, and I would not even want to guess why someone would not want to secure their building appropriately so that somebody doesn't get hurt. I mean, if you think about between 2011 and 15, there was an estimate of 3,300 firefighters per year injured in vacant building fires. 13% of those firefighter injuries at structure fires occurred in or at a vacant building. So why an owner would not want to take um, the appropriate measures or to continue to take appropriate measures to secure that abandoned building or that vacant building, I can't answer that one. Um, so what would you like everyone listening to this podcast to do during Arson Awareness Week this year? How can they be part of an effort? Well, I think one of the first places to go, there's a great uh, toolkit that's available. And that toolkit was a project uh, done with the International Association of Arson Investigators. And uh, we can give you the, the uh, website for that toolkit, www.interfire.org. There's a features on vacant buildings. That's a great place to start. It provides information about nuisance fires, uh, abandoned vacant building fires. Also, you know, during this week, take the time to learn your community. Take the time to uh, find vacant buildings, have situational awareness as it relates to those abandoned buildings, vacant buildings, just in case um, our emergency responders should have a call to those vacant buildings. Yeah, it always worries me, and I know it does all of the leadership. Uh out there in the fire service when these buildings start to burn and you worry so much that people are going into a building where there may no there may be no one inside to save uh and, and that always becomes a, a difficult call you know i i think um there's a uh, the late chief alan brunacini um had a mantra where he, he mentioned risk a lot to save a lot risk a little to save a little risk nothing to save nothing I think we collectively, um, that awareness of our vacant buildings, what, they're, what they may be used for, what they might not be used for, what is the risk, um, doing a simple risk evaluation to determine what type of firefighting force we use should there be a fire, that's important and that's part of this awareness. Uh, it's a great thing to remember. Um, by the way, just the, I'm so glad you still go over to the Interfire site. Um, a lot of people do, thousands every month. Uh, and I think that toolbox has been updated. Uh, we were somewhat involved in that. And the IWI has that also up at firearson.com in the resources section. And we have a link to that at the bottom of the, uh, of, on the podcast page. And I think that gives you real tactics that you can take. And, and one of them, uh, that is very important is the proper markings of these buildings so that you can know they're secure and know that there isn't anybody in them, or at least hope that, you know, the latest markings tell you the right information. Absolutely. You know, we mark buildings. We want to make sure that they stayed marked. You know, you mentioned earlier, um, sometimes your fire inspectors are also your fire investigators. Sometimes they're different, but this is one of those areas, there's so many other areas within the fire service where every aspect of 
of the fire services working together, um, your inspectors working with your operations, working with your investigators to get a complete view uh, of a community, a complete view of that building. So sounds like people have some things to do. Uh, some of our listeners can get over there, get some of those tools that are in the toolbox, share them, and uh, have a discussion with the leadership at their fire department during that week. What is the uh, what's the actual what are the actual dates for Fire Arson Awareness Week this year? Well, Arson Awareness Week for 2018 is May 6th through the 12th. Okay. And uh, information uh, will be on the USFA website, uh, available in two weeks at usfa.fema.gov/backslash/aaw. Okay. What else can you do to give us a preview of what's coming up this year at the NFA? There's so many cool things going on at the NFA. We have increased our uh, social media presence. We're doing um, more enticing, I like to say, uh, showing folks that may not normally have come to the USA what we have to offer here through our live streaming of some of our classwork. Uh, we've extended, as we speak to fire investigation, we've extended our burn area our burn lots where uh, we're able to do live burns, send, send our investigators in and um, really get an idea of, of what a flashover room looks like and then start that dig through of the investigation. There's so much going on in our technical aspects, in our command and control, our fire prevention, our leadership. We are in the process of, um, once again, going through updates of so many pieces of our curriculum that if you, know, if you haven't been here lately, you're going to want to get here. It's a very exciting time for us. That sounds great. And I appreciate very much your time. Uh, everybody does. So with your plate pretty full, we'll uh, let you go unless there's something else you wanted to, to bring up. I just want to add that April 15th, important date. It's an important date because that's when the application period opens up for the National Fire Academy. So we want to make sure that folks get online, get their applications in. Okay, so let's say that again. Anybody who wants to get down to the NFA and be part of, I guess, the USFA's training that's going on at the NFA, they have to get to your website by April 15th. April 15th opens the, the application period. So between April 15th and June 15th, get your applications in. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you, and everybody be safe. We appreciate your service. Thank you. Be well. As we mentioned in the interview, the IWI has a vacant building toolbox on their website at www.firearson.com. Go to the resources, and you can access the toolbox information and slides that may be helpful for you and your city. The direct link to the site is on this podcast page. If you are listening from our on-site player, you can just navigate to the resources section of the site and get the information. It's your last chance to register for the IWI 2018 ITC in Frisco, Texas. It's only about a month away. You'll find all the information on the class schedules, hotel, and registration links at IAAIITC.com. Don't miss this chance to get dozens of hours of training in one location. That concludes this podcast. Stay safe. Please check out usfa.fema.gov for more information on Arson Awareness Week. They're also having a webinar on Wednesday the 18th at 2 p.m. If you go to the USFA webpage, 
you can get information about that webinar on abandoned buildings. We'll see you next time on CFITrainer.net. For the IAAI and CFITrainer.net, I'm Rod Ammon.